Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. The mournful sound. Oh, watch out, folks. This isn't Betsy Thompson's uh, loon recordings. This is somebody different who has gone into the wild to discover an alto saxophone, as well as our friend, the Gray Wolf. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the podcast, uh, Father John, Father Nathan. This is Catholic Stuff You Should Know. If you've, if you've never Morning listened, edition. If you've never listened before, that was quite the uh, introduction. So Morning edition. So uh, here we are. We're into February, and yep. uh, now we're just moving along, right? It's a morning edition. We're drinking coffee, and I'm eating a cow tail. <laughs> this, that was also given to us by a, a podcast listener. Cow tails are chewy caramel with a cream center, and I've learned from various podcast listeners not to chew into the microphone, so... Yes. You know, excuse me for various a podcast listeners. <laughs> okay, stop it. <laughs> you are, uh, yeah. It does sound like orcs kind of feasting on you know animals or something sometimes while we're podcasting. But agreed, harder than it looks, right? People always like to hate. So um, yeah, we're down in uh, Schloss Globals here. I'm heading to the mountains, trying to get up there before the uh, apo- the snowpocalypse comes. Yeah, have you looked at the weather yet? I looked at it a little while ago, and so trying to. This is a sign of um, you can break into, you want to get to the mountains before the storm so that you can ski, you know? Right. When you're on retreat. Because remember that, you told me that joke about the priest, can I smoke while I pray? Right. What if I pray while I smoke? It's the same with skiing, right? Yeah. Can I ski while I pray? Yeah, Uh, exactly. What if I pray while I ski? So right now it says Vail, Colorado, no precipitation, overcast. Uh, forecast is 8 to 13 inches. It's going to get big tonight, up to 2 feet. Uh, it's supposed to start snowing around noon. Yep. Um, and then continue. Which means some fresh powder. Fresh pow-pow. That you can pray through. Yeah. Our Lady of the Snows. Our Lady of the Snows, exactly. I, meanwhile... Don't fear the gnar. Charge the gnar. That's what Richie Buckingham told me. Richie Buckingham. <laughs> that rascal. Some uh, lifty up in um, Jackson... Jackson Hole told him that they were on the thing. He goes, "Remember, don't fear the nar, charge the nar." Then the gates open and they just send everybody out. And nice. There you go, Jackson, Wyoming. Yep. So the uh, yeah, so we're gonna kind of kind of move into this a little quicker today. Got the jazz wolf right. out, and uh, but this is an interesting one today because we um, we've moved through two days of banter, just you know, personally here, being at Schloss Goebbels, which sure. is nice. The guys are on retreat and. Uh, but as we were talking, we realized that we had, for the first, possibly the first time ever, um, come to the same topic idea, independent of each other. Agreed. On the same day. Right. Coming at it from two different angles, yep. but for two kind of different reasons. But uh, I don't think that's ever happened before. That's rare, I would say. Usually we're trying to scrape the bottom of the barrel. And I mean, instead, he did, he, we both scraped the exact same bottom of the barrel. Well, he actually had the Silmarillion topic that day, and I took yes. it, and he, you know. No, I was... Ryan Mack was a bit upset, because he's like, what? you didn't even get to talk about Baron and Luthien, because Global kept stopping you. Listen. Because you were telling the story, and I was like, I know. Listen, Ryan like, Mack, when I read the Semerillion, we'll circle back around to it, okay? So keep listening. It'll happen in about four years. All right. Just got some sad seminarians here in Denver, you know? What is the deal? <laughs> what a geek. You are a minds. You are truly minds. Ah, uh, fine. So, anyways, 
What? I just, I don't. Do you feel bad now? You not really. About, you talk not really. We're we're talking today. We're talking today about um, a, a reading that comes up every year. I think it actually comes up two or three times a year because I know it comes up during Lent. Um, is uh, the reading from uh, Friday of the third week of Ordinary Time? So this happened on January thirty first. Oh, this is the wrong Magnificat. You mean uh, Crimenetly is what you meant? Yeah. Uh, yes, I have it. All right. I have the. I, I wanted. Sa- I got Saturday here. Saturday is going to be more of my day. You follow Saturday up? the first. Saturday the first. Oh, we'll, okay. We'll kinda, well, we'll, that's perfect because I'm going to do Friday and you can do Saturday. About a big. Oh, because you have you have Februarys. Right. Anywho, um, so this is the story of uh, David and Bathsheba. Now, for those of you who haven't read the scriptures, uh, I'm not going to spoil this. Okay. <laughs> But David is a king. Good. I would love okay. to hear you attempt to talk about this yeah. without actually talking about it, because that's what I did two weeks ago. So go ahead. <sighs> David's the king. You, you ruined the story. I thought he was a shepherd. I did not see that coming. You did not see Why? it coming. It's <laughs> too <laughs> late. Second you Samuel. You the story. I'm going to read it someday. Whatever. <laughs> you and Ryan Mack can have a nice little coffee date at uh, wherever... And uh, you know, giggle over your you know foamy lattes about the Cimmerillion. Okay, continue. Second Samuel, David's the king. He's won a lot of battles. He's finally like you know uh, put all of his enemies to flight, and then he can um, you know begin his you know continuous kingship. So we hear this reading. I'm not going to read all of it. Second Samuel 11, and then following. At the time of the year when kings go out on campaign. David sent out Joab along with his officers and the army of Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. David, however, remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David rose from his siesta and strolled about on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing who was very beautiful. David had inquiries made about the woman, and she was told she is Bathsheba, daughter of Eliam and wife of Uriah. And then, you know, the story goes on. I told my people, you know, Fridays... In soap opera world is when all the big stuff happens. Did you yeah, ever watch? Hook you into Monday. That's right. Did you ever watch any of them? No. So I had a choice when I was a little kid. Days of our lives. Days of our lives. And you could General eat. Hospital featuring John J. York. Yes. I didn't watch. Mom watched General Hospital. When I went to the babysitter. Wasn't that the one Skyler's dad? Yeah. yeah okay. General Hospital. Um, uh, when I would go to the babysitter's house, she said, quote, you can either sit here and fold laundry with me or you can go take a nap. And I'm like. Duh. Well, while we were while we were folding laundry, we were watching Days of Our Lives. So I would I was watching Days of Our Lives when I was like a little kid. Friday was all always the day where like super big stuff would happen, right. and then you know the cliffhanger. Well, this this is what happens: is David finds Bathsheba. They it's you a know, great Friday episode come together, yep. and then eventually, like you know, she gets pregnant. She's married. He tries to get Uriah to whatever. Eventually, kills Uriah. Dun dun. Spoiler. Spoiler. You just ruined everything. I ruined Second Samuel. Yeah. So what I talked about was um, David. David's the one who, instead of going out on mission, stays behind. And what I was saying was, men don't have a mission right now and usually find themselves isolated. So instead of going out with other guys, they they find that they're alone. And then when they're alone, uh, men sort of get dissipated. They're just like, what, what am I supposed to do with myself? And I, I said that um, it, you find David strolling on the roof. I said, men don't stroll anymore. We scroll. Mm, that was the money line. That the was homily. the money line. Money line. Men yeah, don't stroll 
they, they scroll. scroll. Anyone can use that. Good. Copyright. Copyright. Father Nathan Goble. So, so I would say like uh, the when he doesn't have uh, intimacy with the brothers and friendships, like and a common mission together. There's a loneliness and a sadness, and then in, and that space needs to be filled by something. So then he goes looking for it. And and I thought you made a good point in terms of what exactly was you know Bathsheba. What was she doing on the roof? Yeah, so I didn't preach that Friday. Um, but you made a good point about it. But that was the point was like, we often think of David as being the kind of um, lazy, dissonant, or uh, dissipating, kind of hanging out on the roof, playing Xbox up there, whatever he's doing. Sure. Um, but then it's like, well, what is she doing up on the roof in eyesight of the king? She doesn't seem to make much of a... Um, you know, resistance towards this whole thing. It could be. Kind of bathing up top. Hang- now, you made the point to say, well, that's kind of where the- it was the hottest part. That's where they would have been. It would have actually been the most private place. But I'm kind of like, yeah, this- it takes two to tango here. And uh, yeah. so I'm not justifying David. He should have been fighting in, in battle, yes. in mission. Um, but there's also something about, you know, what is she doing up there? So, I, I mean, I rightfully pointed out, if you're going to take a big tub of water and try to heat it somewhere, the easiest place to, to get it to, not maybe not necessarily to get it to the roof, but the place where you would heat it up if you're going to take a bath is on the roof of something. Hopefully, roofs are a little more, um, I don't know, like uh, private than, you know, just, you know. This is, a, this is also a sensitive subject because Goebel often... Bathes on this on the roof of uh, Schloss Goebbels. I don't want people to know. That. Sorry, I okay. mean, so, you know, it just does so, happen. Sometimes these things get personal. It does happen, and so so. Uh, but but my point, my point that I just want to offer for our consideration this day is, um, if you don't have a mission, if you don't have a mission that you're kind of seeking to go after, at some point it's like, well, then what's the point? What's the point of all this? And David. I mean, after we've heard all of these great stories of David and his might and the times that he spent with his men and escaping Saul and killing Goliath and, you know, spoiler alerts abound. And then all of a sudden it's like when he goes at the time of the year when the kings go out on battle, it's like, yes, another great story of his, you know, virtue and honor. And it's like he sends all these guys out and he stays behind. It's like, what? Mm hmm. And I found that in my own life that when I shirk certain responsibilities and just kind of say, yeah, somebody else can handle that, I start to be like, well, then what What do I do? It's like, well, now's when I rest. I'm like, okay, well, then what What do I do after I rest? It's like, you rest more. Right. And then eventually it's like, boring. So you got to have something to fight for or it's just like you, you just get kind of, I don't know, you start, you start the stroll. Start the stroll, and you start to just settle into. Sure. Um, these are my war spoils. I've made it this far in virtue as a priest, as a married yes. man. Things are good enough. Right. It's, it's just time to kind of settle a bit. It's been really a hard year. It's been intense. Yep. Um, and I and we can do this. We do this personally. I think we do this as a church. I mean, in Denver, just we think we have all these vocations. It's like uh, right. we don't. We actually don't. We're we're in trouble. And. Uh, you kind of sometimes feel it's like, are we resting? Have we been resting on our laurels a little bit because we got good things going instead of staying focused on mission and continuing to charge out? And especially as the king, I love that when you when you watch 
Braveheart or Gladiator or any of these, you know, movies, what always moves us is there he is at the front of the line right. leading the men. He's not sitting back. Um, you know, he's not the general in the back. That, that That's the difference. Thanks a lot. Him. I've never seen Braveheart. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. The, uh, so, and it just goes back to original sin, right? Um, that the primordial sin of man and woman is is pride and and the desire to be God. But but it plays out in a really interesting way, where man kind of falls into laziness and he's strolling or scrolling. Yep. And then the woman, it's the act of taking power. He's it, eating cow tails. And it's oftentimes using sex and uh, to maneuver. And that's the that's the interplay that happens in Genesis chapter three, and it plays out. Um, in the fall of King David. Um, I was so struck by just the heroism of his life and kind of the amazing conquest of everything and then the total collapse that happens um, in just a moment of dissipation. I mean, it was just walking around. But you think about the compromises. We don't just we don't just collapse and make major moral falls. It's the thousand little compromises that led to his justific- self-justifying, I don't need to go into battle, um, maneuvering and getting people into place so that um, nobody will challenge him or question, and then and then all of a sudden he finds himself strolling and yada yada yada. That's a good point. I don't know what happens. I don't know what happens in chapter ten of Second uh, Samuel because this is chapter eleven, verse one. So what happens at the very end of uh, chapter ten? <laughs> in the meantime, I'll just say a point Goebel made yesterday, which was interesting. Um, wow. That this is not, you know, you don't go in for your pregnancy test in the ancient world. So yes. we're talking weeks, if not months, right. between the fall and then the attempted yes. murder. Or, it's, not, it's not like the, later that afternoon. Right. So, I mean, the, right. we're talking about months and months of cover-up, scandal, um, as, as they're trying to kind of manage Bathsheba's pregnancy. Mm-hmm. What'd you find? There? It just talks about how David um, David conquered all the Arameans, and he just won this huge battle. And it says it kind of concludes with, "But the Arameans fled before Israel, and David killed seven hundred of the chariot fighters and forty thousand of their foot soldiers. He struck down Shobach, commander of the army, and he died on the field." Shobach. That's it. Like I mean, he I won. Yep, he won. won this great battle. He did it. And then now he kind of takes the war spoil for himself instead of continuing the fight because he's supposed to put all of his enemies to flight. He's a great, great warrior or whatever. But um, he starts this game where it's like, I've figured out, I've managed everything. No one knows. Uriah, I tried to give him the out. It didn't work. Eventually, it just so happened that I sent a letter to put Uriah at the front of the attack and then pull back. And then he died. And now it's like, no one's the wiser. But then we pick up the story. We pick up the story with Nathan, the prophet, uh, inspired by God to go to David. And this is after David has taken Bathsheba as his wife. And then miraculously, she has a full-grown child, um, uh, seemingly months before her pregnancy was to be concluded, uh, after their wedding or whatever else, and now all of a sudden, you know, we pick up the story. So the um, yeah, so Friday was the story of David and Bathsheba, and then Saturday is the story of Nathan the prophet 
the Lord sent Nathan to David, and when he came to him, Nathan said, judge this case for me. And he tells this parable of this man who has uh, one man's rich and one man is poor, and the poor man has nothing except for this baby you. And he nourishes it and he loves it, and then the rich man takes it at the end. And then David says, you know, um, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this merits death. And then Nathan says, that man is you. Thus says the Lord God, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised and you have taken the wife of Uriah to be your own wife. He calls him out, right? He, he challenges it. This is the moment of um, kind of where the prophet really has to lay it out and uh, kind of a model of fraternal correction in a uh, very intensive way. And, and I was preaching to the guys on Saturday um, about this. And uh, so I was coming at the story of David and his fall from not so much the perspective Father Nathan was, uh, which was um, more about kind of man's purpose, purpose uh, for mission and, and his inability to um, kind of live that out um, and his choice not to. And then my side of it was, and again, this is just kind of where the prayer was going, was what is the nature of fraternal correction and how does it lead to real repentance? Mm-hmm. And that is the key, is that the way this was done, which was really pretty violent and pretty intense, led to a massive conversion and, and really became a whole moment of David's, his whole life reoriented after this point. He broke out of the, I'm just rocking it, um, I'm the hero, you know, everything is just perfect. War, victory, 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 victory. I've, I'm gaining more power, more honors, more pride to then reversing it and saying poverty, humiliations, and humility becomes the way of his life and the way that he lives out his life as king and shepherd. And it, everything kind of pivots on this moment with Nathan. So there's several things to be said about it. Number one, um, and again, I, we're living in a time of suspicion and fear. Uh, in the church, especially around clergy, and uh, it's just everything is about power. Everybody wants to unmask and undo everything. Gotcha. We're going to get them, right? This is what Jeff Anderson's doing up in Minnesota, the lawyer who just who doesn't sleep. He's just, we're going to get them because we know there's more in there. There's more corruption. There's yeah. more money that can be taken, and there's more victims. And But it creates a culture of fear and suspicion, and this can play out in good intentions and good desires to help priests, or anybody but priests, especially as public figures right now. Um, but it can be very problematic because um, if it's not done well and it's not done right, it, it won't lead to this kind of conversion. Right? Yeah. So um, there that's are... ultimately what it's about. It's a, I do not rejoice in the destruction of the evil man, but that he may turn, you know, and, you know, turn and live. Right, you know, turn from his wickedness and live. So God ultimately wants to bring all persons to to conversion, and David was not serving him, so he wanted he wanted him to be struck by, uh, "You're living a lie, and yeah. you need to wake up." So I think the the question then becomes, you know, what what do you do if you find yourself, and this is what I was thinking about in in a parish or in relationship with a priest that you find to be scandalous his life to be scandalous, or you're hearing things that are scandalous, what do you do with that? Do you do the prophet Nathan thing? Is that, a, is that the right thing to do? Um, that, that's the question, and I, I'm not necessarily saying I have the answer. What I will say is that um, gossip in anonymous letters, even with good intentions, are never helpful. We'll start with that. Sure. 
But there's something to be said about we all need prophets. We all need Nathans in our life, right? Yep. And we need these, not in such dramatic ways, but I think that it, what I saw in this was a bond and a strength of a relationship between the two of them um, that was the foundation, was that Nathan, I, we don't know from the story, but I think that Nathan really knew his life and that David really trusted him and permitted him to speak into this thing. I, I just don't think that he just kind of comes out of nowhere and just, you know, right gives the gives the haymaker sucker fraternal punch. haymaker and then you're down um right but it's actually kind of within this context of like nathan might have been the only guy who could actually take this on and who could actually call this out and he, he probably if if david was uh close with somebody like that like he's seen him grow up he's seen his his virtues he's seen his failings He's seen the trajectory. He probably was like, why didn't he go out for battle that time? That was weird. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, you find that there's more to the story. And uh, David feels compelled by God to actually go to him. He's told by God, you know, with a word, go to him and, and speak this. So, But that's dangerous because a lot of, and we've done this before. I've done this before with you, with the other brothers of like, mm-hmm. God told me how to fix your life. Here's the problem. The sure. Holy Spirit sends me, and if you would just listen and be open, then everything would be fine. And it's like, we can do a lot of damage doing that. Um, so the question is, how do you actually know if the Lord is moving you to be prophetic in somebody's life like Nathan? How do you know you're actually doing something? Because if this goes bad, Nathan's dead, basically, right? The, yeah. the, it continues. He just yes. take him out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you use power to... You redirect your power, and because what's happening in in conversion is we have to we have to move people to powerlessness. We have to have people move us to powerlessness and to and to real humility. But that means being humiliated. And guess who doesn't like to be humiliated? The victors, the winners, mm-hmm. the competitors, sure, the guys who have it all together, the conquerors. They don't like humiliation, right? So it's it's a tricky thing. You know, to see the more that people climb into places of authority or power or whatever it might be, their parishes grow, they grow in fame and esteem, whether they're priests or not priests, it becomes harder and harder to move that. And and I think that's the that's what's so interesting about this moment is to say, Nathan does something here that's really remarkable and that changes the entire trajectory of David's life and sets him as the man after the heart of Christ that Christ will then point to mm-hmm. and say, this is the heart. But it all... It all happens here within a, within a way that David can't actually do it himself. Yes, but I would say the way you know that you've corrected somebody well is by the fruits, I would say. And uh, and I would say that, that a correction has gone well. I, I would say that all corrections are difficult to do, um, but for David, for him to actually come to a place where he's like, Nathan uses a parable to teach him something and then later reveals the the meaning of the parable instead of coming to him and saying first this is the this is what's wrong with your life he actually says this is what's been going on and in a different part and I want you to kind of see how uh how problematic it is and he's able to see it you know so he's able to break through his defenses which is important because we have we have these ways in which we kind of keep people out, and then but only certain people have the freedom to be able to say, "Look, I I want you to hear something." Right. 
And I think that, that the problem is not so much the, I mean, nobody wants to be corrected. Nobody wants that, you know? I mean, I see it in, in seminaries. Hey, do you have a minute? You know, what's right. going to say? Bring the, here comes the hammer. You have know? you had to do that already? Uh, every once in a while. I, I think that um, it's easier just to just to kind of acknowledge things. My thing is like, there's two ways to go about it. You can either just name something that's concrete, prompt, yes, clear. Hey, you know what? I saw this and or this was a little awkward too. I just want to make sure everything's okay. Like I'll give you an example. Deacon Kevin and I, we are squaring off on text um, right before the Christmas break about the time. And I didn't want to do a 6 a.m. mass and he wanted a 6 a.m. mass. And it was just kind of like things got a little bit touchy. And we just talked and we I just was like, we got to quit texting. And we just talked and it was like a one minute thing and it was over. But the other temptation is to say, to remove oneself and then to spin and spin and spin and say, you, you know what, you know what, this. that deacon has always done this. He's always, always undermining me, and yep. and this is where the wet, the wet. And then I go to my formation committee, and then I and then I, I'm like arm the torpedoes, you know. Right. This guy is obstinate and you know disobedient and Churlish. entitled, and and it's like he's none of those things. Yes. But you spin and spin and spin and spin and spin in your head. And then you try and, and then we try and bring in war alliances. And next thing you know, we've created a something that's crazy instead of just saying, Hey, I see this and I'm, I just got to acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's been the approach is to try and say, sometimes there are patterns of behavior that are difficult to correct that are, that we don't see, but a lot of things can be dealt with much more simply than spinning and spinning and spinning and then sending a letter to Father Nathan or to the Archbishop. And remember, when you send letters to us, to the they go into our files and they're there forever, right? Whatever. They're there for a long time. Yeah. I know, it doesn't bother you, but... I, that, I understand that. Uh, I understand that part. I would just say, like, when it comes to, when it comes to giving the, the point of your correction, you've got to be concrete. And that's part of what Nathan is able to do. Instead of allowing it to continue in a pattern of a behavior, it's like this time it's you gotta change your heart. It's uh there's there's a there's a there's a, we're gonna put a stop to it, you know? And I think it I think it's helpful for him because David didn't see it. And that's where that's where part of the correction is helpful for this. Yeah. I I we've talked about anonymous letters beforehand. Um, you know, I, I don't think I want to get into any more of this, uh, but if there are, if there are some things that people see, please like mention them, note them and then communicate them. Yeah. That's helpful. That's helpful. It's helpful. It can be helpful. It can, but I, you can know, be helpful. You Thank think you. about, it's not always helpful. I, I think that the, the, yeah. The key is the relationships. The thing we want to be praying for, if you're worried about priests, um, what we need to be praying for is not that you know there's more kind of administrative, top-down dealing with us. That's, that's not going to deal with it. The key is just pray for rebuilding a fraternity so that we have relationships, so the guys are actually known and loved and processing their lives. Because I, I just I think that Nathan, my read on this is that Nathan and David had a, had a substantial relationship sure. that, that was the foundation and made this possible. Yes, and there are extra extraordinary moments in life when God brings people into our life and they speak into things that it's crazy and it's, and that might have been this, but I think the normative way, 
Jeff Hewitt has a great line. He says, true change is slow change. Hmm. The, norm, the normal thing is a patient, humble walking with somebody as they try and grow in self-awareness and convert the areas of their life that are dark. Uh, but it takes time. It's, uh, it's one of those things where everybody, we all see each other more clearly than we, than we see ourselves. I think that seems to be a, a pattern of human nature. Mm-hmm. You, know? you see things in my life that I don't see. I see things in your life you don't see. And, and the question is, just are we, are we walking together in such a way as to, um, as to really support, not just to challenge and correct? Because we very intentionally, the companions, made a choice early on. You remember we had counsel from a friend of ours who said, if you're not correcting each other five times a day, you're not living the life. And we were like, I don't think we want to live that life, you know, right. where it's just like, yep. you didn't put the dishes away, you know, and you didn't do this. And it's just like, well, <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. You know, uh, I don't think anybody gotcha. wants to live that way, yeah. but this has to happen. We need Nathan's in our life. And, um, and I think we just have to keep reflecting on, on kind of how does this all play out? How do we get ourselves into the, into mm-hmm. the problems with the Bathshebas? And then how do we also find our way out of it? As yeah. Well? I had a, I had a moment the other day with uh, father Matt, my parochial vicar where uh, we were just going through, like we have a regular meeting every week where we just kind of talk about parish stuff or personal stuff, whatever. And he added like a list. And then like one of his points was, by the way, sometimes the uh, dishwasher's open. And I don't know if you're trying to communicate to me that I need to, to run it or like are you just leaving it open and i go yeah i'm just leaving it open i forgot to close it he goes okay like if if i need to do something like you know run the dishwasher you'll just tell me right i'm like yeah and then it's like okay yeah instead of him spinning up over it you know and kind of going into add the outer orbits about it like he just wanted to bring it and then there was nothing then a few days later i was like gentlemen I've been to the store three days this week, and I've gotten nine pounds of raisins, all right? <laughs> enough is enough. It wasn't nine pounds, but it was at least four or five. And I was like, I was like, it's time. We're going we're gonna to write a grocery list, and somebody's going to go get the groceries. And that was clear. It was helpful, and I think it cleared the air. But it's, it's about that fellowship. You know, I think both are related. Well, and I, I'm reconvinced my own, from my own mistakes in the last uh, few months of just how absolutely stupid it is to send text messages that deal with difficult topics or that are expressing anger absolutely because it's it's the most depersonalized way of communicating Mm, i think email's worse you think email's worse well yeah both we'll just say both without the human voice there's no way to really pick up on emotions on the the kind of the context of this emails so, emails have to be opened texts come right in your face email it's like here i'm gonna send you this package and there's no subject and it just says my name and then all of a sudden like i open this package and it's like dear you know and i'm yeah. like oh my gosh like what is this garbage yeah. so um yeah it's, i would say that uh, it's not a good idea to try to control the narrative or you know deal with crises over text message. Very good. Very good. That's it. That's it. What did I preach on with Nathan? Um, I'm trying to think of that one. Um, well, yeah, I I talked about something. That'll help. That's it. 
All right. We're going to shout outs. All right. I'm going to begin with a shout out to. Uh, oh my gosh. My, my, my Goble. Ben, ben Rahim. Oh, Mike Goble. Did you snag me a couple koozies or should I buy them on the website? Nice. And you didn't. I gave mine away to people that actually came. Well, speaking of swag that went to people in Illinois who didn't come, Ben Rahimi's friends, he says, May I be so bold as to request shout-outs for three friends of mine who love the podcast. Mike Kamoy, the other is Robert Black, and Sean Gann. They are huge fans of the podcast and are ecstatic to receive the 10th anniversary swag. Sorry, Mike Goble. Your, um, your koozies are in Chicagoland right now. Sorry. Um, I don't know, Mike. I'll look at it. Uh, hope this finds you well. Uh, feeling the love and joy that only Advent can bring. I just wanted to thank you for creating and continuing on with the podcast. Enjoy the pretzels and whiskey. And if you're in slash near Fort Wayne, let us know. The Yinglings are on us. Kelsey Sensabaugh and family. You ate the pretzels. I saw them in the trash today. So don't say... The pretzel bites? Yeah, the pretzel bites. He was hoarding them. No. And, uh, yeah, it's amazing how That's not true. we're out of pretzel bites and then all of a sudden two boxes randomly appear. Whatever. I think we might have given a shout out to Amber Soden. Thanks for this very kind letter um, from Lincoln, Nebraska. We met them at Seek last year, remember? We met them at Seek last year. We're just and, trying to uh, clean up the desk. We're trying right to now. clean up the desk, which is going to take some time. Um, so thanks for your letter. Very beautiful um, and uh, very appreciated. So thank you. I We got a great letter from Laura B., um, and I don't know where she's from, but uh, I thought it was Lori Brown the entire time because they had the exact same handwriting. And I'm gonna I'm gonna take a picture of this and so that Lori can see it. Um, but it's Laura B. I think from Massachusetts. Um, she concludes her letter saying, "Quote: Unfortunately, I don't really know how to choose a good bottle of bourbon or case of beer, but what I do know is good tea and good chocolate. Huh. Here are some of my favorites. I hope that you enjoy them, or if not." that at least your friends do. I should probably caution you that the Yorkshire gold is very strong. May God continue to bless you in every possible way from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Sincerely, Laura B. Where is the tea? It's upstairs. That's the holiday tea that I made for Chris the other day. There's a few other boxes that you're welcome to, but I was going to give you this Ritter whole almond chocolate for your desert day in the Thank mountains. You. Thank you. There you go. Very nice. So thank you, Laura. I, I will uh, make sure that all the guys see this letter because it is really beautiful and you have very nice handwriting. Thank so you. Thank you. We got a nice email that was sent to the Archdiocese. Thank you for that because I think they sometimes think we're just oh, toads yeah. and kind of like, what are we doing? So uh, this was passed on to us. And so thank you to Katie Logan, who signed it, Pache Bene, and she wrote just a very nice email. A positive right. note on the uh, vocations work and the banter like and uh, all this different stuff. It was positive encouraging. It was candy. All right. Um, that's it for me. That's, it. that's all I got. Folks, this is Catholic Stuff You Should Know. Uh, we are a podcast attempting to proclaim the gospel to the far reaches of uh, the world. Uh, we are at catholicstuffpodcast at gmail.com. We are on various technological platforms that you can look at. We have pictures that you can give a thumbs up to. Um, and uh, for the most part, we're looking for Miss Cajetan 1975. If you're out there, let us know. God bless you. See you next week.